um, I brought my mommy, let me borrow her Bible today so I can turn to these instead of speed reading and you guys don't know where I'm at. Uh, the first verse I wanted to go to, first of all, I wanted to call this, and I don't know, I think I might have named one this, so that's why I'm adding an extra potential title, but the way I titled it was The, f uh, the Fight of Faith, but the alternate would be um, The Faithfulness of God, okay? Um, in the first verse, we want to look at is 1 Timothy 6.12. 1 Timothy 6.12. Um, it's been a long time since I looked in a paper Bible, so I don't even know which testament that's in. I'm just kidding. But uh, it's hard for me to find it now. Because I'm used to just typing in 1 Timothy into my phone. Boom. Comes right up. Isn't technology grand? So... I may have to look it up anyway, or look at it anyway. Um, my mom has the new American Standard Version. I usually use the MEV, not because it's better or anything, just because I like that it's um, kind of modern, but it also says the words kind of in the same order as the King James, because sometimes it's confusing if people are looking at the different orders, the way they say the words. But let me read it in the New Living Translation. It's going to be 1 Timothy 6.12. Um Fight the good fight uh, for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. Now, um, you guys thought I was joking, but okay, there we go. Got it, finally. Whew. I know you guys didn't think I was joking. Like, he's never read the Bible in his life. I'm just kidding, but uh, um, <coughs> I did find it, First Timothy, but it's really weird. How come it looks so small? And, uh, like, I turned the page, and I'm already in 2 Timothy. And how could it say 6.12? So did I accidentally? Oh, no, there it is. Okay. So in, in the New American Standard, it says, Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, and you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Um, I like the way that the, um, both of them say that. So, but the good confession... Um, is he says, hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. That's the good confession, right? Eternal life in Christ Jesus. Um, and the reason why, uh, actually for this it says, fight the good fight for the true faith. And actually I like the new American standard better where it says, fight the fight of faith, the good fight of faith. Because um, really this is for our own mental well-being. I think that we fight the fight of faith because God does awesome things and he keeps being who he is and he keeps being faithful and he keeps being God. But sometimes if we're not uh, knowing who, who God is, his faithfulness and trusting in him and fighting that fight of faith, keeping ourselves in faith, then we're going to suffer in the realms of our mind, right? Like we're going to be um, riding the roller coaster of emotions. We're going to be... Uh, doing all kinds of stuff. I'm not going to mention all the stuff we could do because then people are going to start saying, how come he's picking on me during this church service? I'm not. I'm just saying this happens to all of us that we sometimes, if we have our eyes off of him, um, it's it's a scary place to look anywhere else, in my opinion. I mean, I just want to keep my eyes on him and not in the fetal position on the ground crying, Mommy, okay? That's me. I don't know about you guys. Hebrews 6, 11 through 12. Um, I'm going to go there. See that? I'm going there, guys, so you have time. 
I'm gonna get there. You can't cry, cry about anything before. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, guys. If I can find it, if I can't find it, I'll still read it out of my cheat sheet in the in, uh, in the phone. Let me know if you guys are there. If you're there before me, we'll just start reading. That was Hebrews 6, 11, and 12. Amen? There? Somebody? You, Clarny, there? No. We got another guy that doesn't read his Bible in here. I'm just kidding, guys. I'm just kidding. <laughs> six, Hebrews uh, 6, verse 11. Yeah. And now I actually found it in the printed version. Coolness. North American, I mean, New American Standard, not North American. Sorry. <laughs> Everybody's going to be like, oh, my gosh, it doesn't include South America. Um, and we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So Kalani would say this is for me because I'm the sluggish guy, right? Right, Kalani? <laughs> the lazy guy. Anyway, <laughs> I'm going to read it in the Amplified real quick. And we desire for each one of you to show the same diligence all the way through is the quotation so as to realize and enjoy the full assurance of hope until the end <coughs> so that you will not be spiritually sluggish but will instead be imitators of those who through faith lean on God with absolute trust and confidence in him and to his and in his power and by patient endurance even when suffering are now inheriting the promises so the reason why I want to do that off uh, Amplified version is because sometimes we're like, okay, diligent to what? What do I diligently do? Um, it says for me to show the same diligence so to, as to realize and enjoy the assurance of hope until the end. So what diligence am I doing to, so I can realize that hope until the end? And then in the Amplified, I like how it says um, so strongly. It says, um, I will be, so will instead be imitators of those who through faith and then in parentheses, that's the amplified part, lean on God with absolute trust and confidence in him and his power. That's what the faith is. So through faith, they're leaning on God with absolute trust and confidence in him and his power. So that's how you, what you diligently do. You diligently keep trusting in God, leaning on God in his, absolutely. It doesn't say lean on him mostly. Um, 25%, 75% it says leaning on him, um, absolute trust and confidence in him and his power, and then by patient endurance, even when suffering are now inheriting the promises. So we are now inheriting the promises. We are now inheriting the promises. Um, but we are patient. We have patient endurance even when suffering. Um, it's not God. I, I don't believe, you know, God's will for us to suffer, but he said in this world you have trouble, right? But take heart because I've overcome the world. Hebrews 10. So it's still in the same book. You don't have to turn too much. It's 10. Verse 35. I guess in your phone you don't have to turn anywhere. You just have to push, push buttons. But So number 35. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. And actually, I keep going. For yet, in a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay, but my righteous one 
shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. When we have faith, we have faith. So let me say that first. We have faith. That's why he says that. We, but of those who have faith in the preserving of the soul. So we are the ones who have faith. Also, let me read it real quick in the Passion Translation. So don't lose, and this is cool because I like how, what they're saying about the faith here, okay? So don't lose your bold, courageous faith, for you are destined for a great reward. You need the strength of endurance to reveal the poetry of God's will, and then you receive the promise in full. For soon and very soon, the one who is appearing will come without delay. And he also says, my righteous ones will live from my faith. That's really awesome for me. But if fear holds them back, my soul is not content with them. For we are certainly not those um, <coughs> who are held back by fear and perish. We are among those who have faith and experience true life. Um, I thought that passion translation is super awesome right there because that's what we, what we turn back for, right? For fear. It doesn't say that. I mean, regularly it just says who, who shrink back, those who shrink back to destruction, you know, my soul has no pleasure in. Um, but the reason we shrink back or the reason anybody would shrink back, not us, because we are not those, right? It says, even says that right after that, we are not those who shrink back because we live by his faith, <coughs> in his faith, from my faith, it says. The righteous ones will live from my faith. Um, the faithfulness of God is so awesome, so amazing, so we can get uh, discouraged and think, hey, if it's about my faith, it's like a roller coaster. Sometimes I feel like I can throw, I can walk out my front door and just talk to a mountain. It's going to fall right in front of me. I'm going to watch it fall because it's so powerful, my faith. The next day, I feel like if I told my hair to get in line in the mirror, it's not going to work because I don't even have faith enough to tell hair to move. So, and it's so light, you know, I can't even get my hair combed right, for example. Just saying. Um, I'm having a bad hair day, and I cannot speak to it and make it move, even though it's just hair. Um, <coughs> so I say that to say that if it was dependent on how we feel about our faith or how we're experiencing that faith feeling, like when you feel like, oh, man, I can believe God for anything. I can believe God for anything right now. If it had to do with that, then you'd be in a pretty bad situation because when you don't feel like you can believe God for anything, when you just decide to believe God for everything, when you feel like you can believe him for nothing, well, then you would have nothing if it was about your feelings, right? You would have no answer. Um, but it's not. It's about the faithfulness of God. He is faithful. His faith is good. And he put it all on the inside of you, right? So Jesus didn't come to live inside of you, and he forgot all his faith in heaven or wherever. He is coming to live inside of you with all of his faith, with all of his ability. And all you have to do is trust in him. Absolutely lean upon him and trust in his absolute power and will and perfect plan for your life um <coughs> so uh i just want to say this too because in case you know anybody thinks well and so there are responsibilities right we're we're um what we're doing is we're reminding ourselves right like like peter said as long as i'm on the earth by way of remembrance i'm going to keep reminding you to stir up your faith because we're reminding ourselves that we have the faith of god in us and that we can keep our eyes on jesus christ so that we can overcome in every situation even though there's trouble, right? Even though there's trouble, he has overcome. So th this is what we're doing. We're fighting for that. We're fighting to keep our eyes on that. And we're speaking it. I just say that because that's an active, um, that's an active 
step you can take besides saying, you know, besides keeping your eyes on him so that you can keep your own sanity to help all those around you. You can be speaking the goodness of God, right? And because if he doesn't say if you, now I don't, don't, I'm not saying that God doesn't give you more than you ask or even think he does. So it's not all about what you say. Well, so when I say that, I say, <coughs> when we say good things, it's good for us, right? Because he says he spoke the world into existence, right? And he's the one we're, we're made in the image of. But God does go above and beyond that, right? How many times have we asked God, we've spoken things, and God did better? He gave it to us, and it was better. So I don't want you to even put, put limits on God and say, okay, I only spoke this and this and this, so I'm not going to get you. He's better. He's better than that. He gives you more than what you ask or even think. But don't stop speaking the goodness of God. Don't sp stop speaking, uh, <coughs> you know, that he has good things for you and that he wants to do good in your life. And that no matter what it looks like, uh, God's word is still true. God is still faithful. And those things have to change. A mountain has to move. It has to. It has no choice. It's not like it can decide, you know. He spoke to me, but I'm not moving because I'm big and I'm ugly. No. It's got to move. It's got to move. It doesn't matter how big, it doesn't matter how ugly. It's going to move because you spoke to it and because you are a child of the living God. Zechariah 9.12. Return to your stronghold, prisoners who... Oh, sorry. And let me say this before... Because I'm going to turn there, too, so that people can have a chance to go there. Because um, this is in uh, MEV, which is the one I usually use. And you know what? I might just pretend I'm turning into it because I don't know where Zachariah is. So if you guys see me turning and stuff, maybe I'm just kidding. I'm pretending, but I'm not lying. Okay? No matter what, I'm not lying. Especially from the pulpit. Shh. Well, where's that at? Uh, the last book? Okay, cool. See, now if anybody wants to, you know, do a whole sermon on why you should have a physical Bible, I mean, right after this one's a good time. Because that's what happens. You forget where it's at. All right. So I did find it, though. Praise the Lord Jesus. May his name be lifted high forever. I found this verse. Okay. Uh, <coughs> 9-12. Return to the stronghold, O you prisoners who have hope, who have the hope, says the New American Standard. Pretty cool. Um, in the version I have, oh, sorry. And it says, this very day I am declaring that I will restore double to you. Oh, what I, these is kind of like two separate sermons because I said, hey, you know, five minutes, let's make it ten. So I'll put two sermons in, right? So it's like ten minutes. So what I'm saying, <laughs> but the second part is, what I wanted to say about it is, yeah, God's faithful. Yeah, God's good. And I just talked to you guys about how he would uh, goes above all we ask or even think, right? Well, I heard a guy giving a, uh, um, what is it called, illustration, right, about Jesus and his paying for our sins. It's a great guy. It's a famous guy. Everybody knows him. But I'm not going to say his name just because in case you think I'm saying something wrong about him. I'm not, but just in case. Um, he said that imagine someone you having a debt that you owe that you could never pay it's like so much money right like millions of dollars or a million dollars let's say say a million to make it even nice then somebody comes and gives you the check for the million dollars it says a million dollars right there and um doom your thing is paid and that's what he was saying is jesus right it's like jesus because jesus took a debt you couldn't pay and he paid it so you could have the victory 
But the thing is, the truth is, and I'm going to prove it to you from these three Bible verses. I think it's three. Yes, because I wanted you to have one or two witnesses or two or three witnesses, sorry, to establish the matter. And that is, it's more like if you owed a million and God gave you a check that says two million or a billion. I use two million because in the Bible it specifically says double. So let me read those, okay? So Zechariah 9.12, we heard that in the New American Standard. I'm going to read it in the Modern English Version. Return to your strongholders, stronghold, sorry, prisoners who now have hope. So the other one said prisoners who have the hope, and I think in the King James it says prisoners of hope, no? Yeah, so that's really cool because it's saying in a lot of different ways, and I think all those are good, and you can use them. You can uh, use them to give you more revelation with the Holy Spirit. Today I declare that I will return to you a double portion, okay? That's the first one. God's saying I'm going to return to you a double portion. So he's not like, oh, here's your million. Be happy I paid all your debts off. No, gives you more, right? So then here's Isaiah 6, one, uh, sorry, 61, 7. Isaiah 61, 7. Um, once again, pretend you to turn there. Oh, I mean, I'm really turning there, babe, okay? And on the recording, I think you'll hear the pages moving. Sixty-one. And sometimes they stick together on these Bibles, I think. This is so old technology. When we had paper, you had to, like, lick your thumbs and stuff. I don't know. I'm just going to. Ah, here we go. Got it. All right. 61.7. You, you should see me trying to open a trash bag, okay? The plastic trash bags. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, Isaiah 61.7 is <coughs> instead of your shame, instead of your shame, you will have a double portion. Instead of humiliation, they will shout for joy over their portion. Um, that's in New American Standard. And the modern English version says, instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. And instead of humiliation, they shall rejoice over their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. So I must have skipped some of what I wrote. Yeah, yeah. in the um, New American Standard, I forgot. Therefore, they will possess a double portion in their land. Everlasting joy will be theirs. Um, I don't know how many of you guys know, but if you read the book of Isaiah... If you read the first half of the book of Isaiah, you'll probably start crying and get into the fetal position. Okay, but that second half is when God's turning the page. He's saying, that's what it was, but this is what I have for you. This is the plans I have for you. Because what you earned was this horrible, disgusting thing. But what I have given and planned for you is what's ahead in the rest of the chapters. I mean, the rest of the book. So in Isaiah, this is when it starts to get good as far as him saying, you know, what you have. What you should have, so that's why he says instead of your shame, because you should have shame if it was based on your actions, right? If it was based on what you did and your choices and your decisions, you should have shame. But instead of your shame, you'll have double honor. And instead of humiliation, they shall rejoice over their portion. So <coughs> what I want to say there is bring out the double again, double honor. And in the New American Standard, it says, what did it say? Double portion. You shall have a double portion instead of shame, yeah, double portion. Um, and I don't know if you guys know this, probably you do, but just in case. In the old days, when you had uh, kids, which we still have them today, but 
and you had them in those days, when you had your firstborn one, they got a double portion of your inheritance. So your rest of your kids got a portion, and they got a double portion. <clears throat> I say that because you are the double portion people, even though Jesus is the firstborn. Why? Because he said he's the firstborn of many sons, and not only are you a son, but heir, right, with him. So you're heir with him. He has made you heir with him, not just my little brother. <laughs> this is my little brother. You know, he doesn't have as much as me. I got double what he got. No, he said you are his, you are a joint heir with him, right? The Bible says it like that way, joint heir with the son. So you have a double portion. So I'm also using that to, to let you guys know too. Another witness, that's a second one. You have a double, double portion. And um, some people would say, you know, hey, it's a double portion of whatever, like um, a double portion of niceness. I'm doubly nice or whatever. But it's double portion in every way. And in, in, in real, really in inheritance wise, it's only talking about finances, right? Because it's inheritance. But in our inheritance, it's, it's everything. It's finances. It's, it's, it's love. It's everything. That's why he said his love has been shed abroad in our hearts. But let me bring it together all with the last uh, verse I have, which is um, Isaiah 40 and 2. 40 and verse 2. Um, Lonnie, if you're wondering, I'm using the real Bible so people can get there. <laughs> I didn't want you to think it was just a strange new thing, Lonnie, but it is kind of a strange new thing for me. Um, 40, 2, verse 2. Speak kindly to Jerusalem and call out to her that her warfare has ended, that her iniquity has been removed that she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. So this is the last part I wanted to bring out. Um, and in the modern English version, it says, speak kindly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare has ended, that her iniquity has been pardoned, that she has received of the hand of the Lord double for all her sins. So, and this is a prophecy. This is Old Testament. is like, I don't know how many thousands of years or hundreds of years it was before Jesus even came on the earth but he's talking about the fact that <coughs> I love how God always says this when there's no reason to do it okay so like Gideon's knocking his knees together scared and God comes and says you valiant warrior and he's like what you talking about Willis and then he says the Lord is with you and he said well if he's with me why are my knees shaking in this place? Because I feel like a loser. Why is, so how are you telling me God's with me, right? In the same way, he says right here, speak kindly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended. It's obvious, though, that as far as they're concerned in that time or whatever, they're not feeling like that's the case, right? You have to cry to somebody and say your warfare is ended even though they feel like it's still going on. That's why you have to announce it. You don't have to tell somebody, okay, when they get to the finish line of a race, you know, and they get there, you don't have to say, dude, it's over. You, you did it because they know. But if they're in the middle of the race and you say, it's over, you won, that's what God wants to tell you. It's over, you won. It's over, you won. I won it for you. I won it because you couldn't win it. And when I won it, I won it double, right? I kicked its 
you know. I'm not going to say that because it's recorded. But you know, I wanted hardcore, right? So um, Jesus wanted for you, and he wanted crazy light, right? He wanted excellently, double portion. So now your job, your responsibility is to rest in the double victory, right? To rest in the victory that stomped all over all your enemies and then just keeps dancing because it's double, right? Because it's double. It's not like you destroy your enemies and then you just keep standing there holding them down. You can dance because he is so utterly defeated. You are so utterly victorious. You're more than an overcomer, right? So the practical part I want to leave with you guys is, is keep your eyes on Jesus. That's keep it the faith keep the fight of faith so the fight of faith is to put lean on god absolutely trusting him completely deciding that his victory was enough and i know sometimes we get tempted to abraham it up get us an isaac or whatever it is but god is enough more than enough overflowing double portion right um and i say too that i would tell you and i would encourage you to seek Holy Spirit on, the, on, on your own in this. And I would say, I use these three verses to show you that it's a double portion, right? Um, but is God limited? Is anything too difficult for God? So a double portion is just trying to get the eight pounds of gray matter between your two ears to understand, you know, that God's more than enough. It's not to be a limit. It's not like you're going to say, oh, I got double already. I better stop. I better not trust God for any more because I already got double. Uh-uh. It's just so that you can understand that he goes abundantly so far, abundantly above, right? That he doubles it. Um, but don't put, let that put limits on God. I just want to say that. And also, um, for your sake, there are good things that God has planned for you that he's going to do for you, that he has done. As far as he's concerned, it's a done deal, whether you experience it or not, right? It's a done deal. But do you want to live in the place where you wait, where you have to wait till you see it to celebrate? Where you have to wait till you feel it um, to thank God for it? I just want you guys to be thankful to God. Praise his holy name. Give him glory, give him honor, give him praise right now because you have it. And you have whatsoever you say, right? You have whatsoever you say. Say it. Believe you have it. Doesn't matter if you see it. Dance about it. Victory, you know. Um, God says he when, that he dances over us. What's crazy to me is that when God gets excited, throws a whole heavenly party when somebody gets saved, right? God knows that even though they're getting saved right now, let's throw a party, right? There's going to be a lot of stuff in between that we would call, what? Not that good, right? So we got saved, and then there was a lot of not that good before we reached eternity. And God knew that, and he didn't go, well, let's get ready to party. Oh, wait, you know what? They're going to do some not that good. No, he just freaking goes. Spins around, stuff flying off, right? Imagine David, man, his clothes flying off. He's standing there in his chonies. He danced so hard, right? He danced so hard. That's how God dances over us, even though he knows all the in-between stuff, all the stuff that, you know, we wish we didn't know. <laughs> I mean, we was like, all right, I wish I never knew about that. But the thing is, God knew, and he still danced just as hard, as hard as can be. 
he sees the beginning from, I mean, the end from the beginning, right? And he knows that the end is victory because the end is the victory he won. So really, when you start, now I'm not saying that to say we're waiting till it looks like victory to be victory. You're victorious right away. That's the beauty of God. You start at the victory line. You just won. You got it all, right? You got more than enough. You got a double portion because you couldn't have even, even if you could win it, which you couldn't, but even if you could win it, he did double what you could have done. Um, but when you're in the times when it doesn't feel like victory, doesn't look like victory, um, and you could be discouraged and you could think that, that God's disappointed, we were going to sing a song today that says we're not holding them up, so we can't let them down, right? He knows. He's there. Um, you know, he's at the finish line. He's everywhere. So I just want to say that God loved you. He loved you. He loved you. Never forget that. He loved you. He saw. He sees. He will see. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And he has made, he has won the victory for you more than enough, more than enough for all that stuff. He said a double portion for your sins. Did you see that part in that last one? A double portion for your sins he gave you. A double portion for your sins. So I wanted to stress that part too because a lot of times people think, uh, it's a <coughs> double portion of everything else, right? <coughs> you might say, none of this stuff is bad, okay? Double portion of life, double portion of health, double portion of finances, double portion. But he also gave you a double portion for your sins. So you never have to be like, oh, you know, my sins caught him by surprise. Or, oh, I'm not going to be, I would have double healing and double finances, but I can't because I got triple sins or whatever, right? You think. But he's gave you a double portion for your sins as well. So even for all the failures, it's already taken care of. He's more than enough. And also, he, it's never been dependent on you. If it was dependent on us, where would we be, right? Never been. Right after they fell, he told Eve, you're going to have a son that's going to fix this. Right after. This is still in the garden. You're going to have a son because before the foundation of the world, he planned for us to be redeemed and have every good thing, right? He's, he, he was never going to let us get in the way of him and us, right? Because we'll try to do that, right? We'll try to make decisions, stuff to make us like, oh, you know, whatever it is. I'm not going to mention it. Once again, I don't want people saying, that guy's talking about me. Holy Spirit wants to communicate to you guys his goodness and his mercy no matter what, right? No matter what. And that it's from the beginning. What you could never earn, what you could never have on your own, he already planned it from the beginning. Before you even messed up, before you even messed up, he knew you would, and he made a way so that you could be free. Okay? Olavia, that's all I got for you.